When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Small Questions, a chance for you, the listener, to grill the cast on all things No Small Roles. I'm Sam Oakes, your host or question master, and with me today I am joined by Vicky Gaskin, player of arguably the most loved character in the game, Juna. Oh, We also have the magnificent Mr. Chris Watts, the man behind everyone's favourite masked bard, Gaius. Oh, and Last, but by no means least, bear witness to the crafter of worlds, composer of epic musical scores, and player of every other creature in the lands of El Timpir, our dungeon master himself, David Knight. (laughs) Hello. How are you guys doing? This is my real voice, actually. No. Sounds somewhat like Crow, uh, a little bit. <laughs> he really is his, Crow. Uh, yeah, it's just as who I am. All of the other characters are put on, but Crow is—he is the most thought out in terms of his, uh, you know, <laughs> his character's journey. Very believable. Um, but okay, uh, so first question to start off with: Are you ready to answer some questions? Yes. Yeah. Okay, then let's dive right in with the <laughs> first one. Uh, so, hands up who wants to answer this one first. Uh, this is from uh, Dungeon Master Dylan, uh, who sent this in via Instagram. And the first question is, what or who got you into D&D? So, uh, let's go around the circle. Uh, Vicky, do you want to take this one first? It was Baby David. Oh. Uh, so, we we were we were already friends, weren't we? Because I, I, I met David and was like, I'm going to make him my friend by giving him a job. This is a true story. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) That's that's how I made friends with everyone on No Small Roles, by giving them jobs. Um, And yeah, he was going to play a game of D&D, and I didn't know much about it. And he was like, would you like to come and play D&D? And I was like, if he's doing it, I'm doing it. That's it. Oh, that's amazing. And then was was it literally first game and you were hooked? Yeah. Yeah, so we spent, what, like seven hours rolling up our characters because no one had played before. Not even me at that time. Not, Not even properly. him. Wow. So we, yeah. we spent so long, like, getting to grips with the characters. And that was how many years ago? 
six? Yeah, a lot of years ago. and we're Five s- or six years ago? We're still playing the same campaign to this day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... For for David then, was it was it your own kind of incentive? You're like, oh, I've seen this game, I kind of want to give it a go, or did somebody mention it to you? Yeah, so growing up, massive fan of fantasy books, literally read all of them, a grand many, um, <laughs> and I'd seen obviously D and D around, and like downloaded loads of the free stuff um, from three point five, a little bit of four e. Never had anyone to play with it. Uh, like all of my friends are more on the music side of things in school growing up so very few nerdy friends in that way um my family again were not particularly interested like we tried once or twice and they were like oh i don't get it and at the time i was like i don't get it i've never played this before either um and then i can't remember who it was one of my siblings got me the the 5e starter set for christmas one year so then i I basically spent a couple of months rounding up friends, being like, oi, 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 <laughs> we're doing this, we're doing this. Um, I read through the entire adventure, like all of the rules for that. And then I also bought the player's handbook because I was like, I feel like I'm going in strong to begin with. And then, yeah, that first session where we sat down, made characters and played, I think maybe an hour of the actual starting adventure, the Lost Minds of Phandalin <laughs> thing. Like we got as far as... We did the goblin fight at the beginning on the road and got as far as the the entrance to the cave and that was it. So really like next to nothing because we'd spent so long rolling up characters. But then that is paying dividends years down the line that those characters still have... um, They've got a lot going on. A lot going on, yeah. Which you could say is definitely the same for this show as well. Uh, A lot (laughs) of the feedback that we've had is about how good these characters are, you know, how believable they are. Particularly, uh, I find Gwendolyn ridiculously believable i know that character <laughs> yeah. yeah i know yeah. what you mean yeah um but what i have to take away from yours david is that um your sibling bought you the starter set and then refused to play with you that's so harsh no well i say re- re- no they didn't refuse um and again i can't remember who it was I th- we i did crack it open christmas night but we were all pretty drunk um and again i had no idea what the rules were so i was oh, like oh yeah, let me yeah, just yeah. start reading it see what happens <laughs> and it did just like you can't run a, a module like that you sort of have to have a bit of prep in your in the back of your head so yeah the that first initial try of it was like n- a no-go uh but yeah no having having then read like i say read it to cover to cover because i thought that's what you had to do it's it's not necessarily to the dms out there you don't have to read the module cover to cover just the highlights you you don't have to but at some point you will want to um i remember when that changed for me you know going from a player to being a dm and you you do want to read it cover to cover um partly because the artwork is amazing but also because you want to know but but also, David, your family have played with you subsequently, haven't they? Yeah, like um, yeah, we've since uh, played a, a couple of games. I've had, I had a few one-to-one games. Um, I played with my niece once, which was quite cute, and she was really into Harry Potter. Oh <laughs> yes, yeah. So and like I think she was again maybe like eight or nine at the time, and everything that she was coming out with was so thought out, but it was incredibly Harry Potter inspired. <laughs> Do you think um, the little baby is going to play someday? Are you going to... Oh, yes. Have this oh, yes. going on for your family when they get my, to a certain uh, age? So we've already... So my daughter is one. She's just turned one. And she's the cutest thing alive. Oh, my she God. She's the cutest thing alive. There is, unfortunately, to all the other babies out there, 
your second. Um, <laughs> yeah, basic. Yeah, basic. Um, but the <laughs> we've already we've already noticed that like what this kind of things that she wants to play with are is like role playing. Like she's already going for like cups and stuff and pretending to drink and like pretending to cut up food and pretending to feed us as well, which is quite funny. But it's it's all like play pretend so far. And she's de- she's been there for games, hasn't she? Yeah, she has. Just before she's already lockdown. rolled a dice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so cute. Mm. You could use her as a massive mini. No, don't do that. <laughs> I remember initially when we were doing the podcast, David was like consciously aware that his might suddenly like scream in the background. And we were just thinking like, no, it adds to the effect if we're going through a dungeon and we're here. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, amazing. And um, yeah, Chris, I, I think I know your story, but for our listeners, how did you get into D&D? So, um, yeah, so... Uh, for those of you who don't know, obviously listen to the podcast or whatnot. So Sam and me are really good friends. We've been good friends since uni. And um, we even lived together during uni. It, it, it's a funny one, really, because it was about five years ago when I was living with a different friend of ours, a, a mutual friend. He introduced us to D&D. He said, hey, guys, you want to try this new thing? It's And I'd heard of D&D and I heard it was like, you know, what, like... In, people in the 70s would play in the basements and it was <laughs> considered by um you know hardcore christians to be like a devil worshipping thing so i was a bit like okay i'm quite intrigued by this so but what, what actually got me into like really being like oh yeah okay i'll start i'll give it a go was um his passion for it yeah and also um it, it was interesting because it was a trifecta it was alistair wanting to do it great word Thank you. Um, <laughs> I've been Sorry. literally teaching a vocabulary lesson today, so I should use that next time. So yeah, it's like a trifecta. So there was Alistair saying, let's do this, let's do this. And then there was me watching um, the community episode of d oh, yeah. and me going like, okay, so that's how the mechanics sort of work and the storytelling aspect was really cool. And then um, on top of that, there was the Stranger Things boom of D&D like everyone was watching Stranger Things I watched Stranger Things I love Stranger Things Stranger Things give me free stuff and uh, <laughs> and I was just I watched that and I thought oh my gosh like these ki- these kids are just having such a, a dramatic fun time and I loved that scene in just like one episode of Stranger Things where they were playing D&D and they were getting so involved so I was just like I, I felt all these different feelings and emotions and I just thought oh there's actually like there's got to be something there that I really enjoy and I think me and Sam, you would, we were just talking about this before we start recording, but like we held hands together and we sort of took the deep plunge and we didn't realize how deep that rabbit hole was going to go. Um, <laughs> Definitely not. But to people who I, oh, I always say this to, to, to people um, who uh, are new to D&D is that like they're, they're a bit scared. They're a bit like, oh, it's 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 really hardcore. Like it's, it's kind of like Harry Potter. Uh, you know, a really hardcore Harry Potter fan would be like, oh my God, you have to watch Harry, read Harry Potter. It's amazing. But you look at the books and they're so dense, but it's just like, you know, take your time with it. Um, mm. And there's a big passion behind this phenomenon that is D&D. And so there's no harm in just taking your time, dipping your toe in and seeing what it's like. I also maintain it's a fantastic thing for actors to do. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. think it's one of the best acting like exercises I've ever done. And like, even now, like I was talking to Nikki, who I've, run open book and open bar with and saying like you know oh this this character's got more dexterity and less strength and this character's more like got more wisdom than intelligence and it really really transfers Mm -hmm. 
No, definitely, because we were talking. Nikki is now uh, a complete super fan. She's she's oh, an addict, mm. I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's yeah. coming for my role, uh, which I'm not <laughs> pleased about. <laughs> <laughs> You're irreplaceable, Sam. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's super cute. Amazing. Okay, uh, I think the next question we should ask, uh, and let's start with David this time. Uh, and it, it kind of borders on the last question, uh, but this is from Hannah Clancy, uh, who sent this in via Facebook. I know. Um, and the question is, <laughs> what is the longest campaign you have ever participated in? And uh, we did kind of cover what sparked your interest in D&D. Uh, but yeah, I'm assuming that first game with Vicky yeah, is the one that's ongoing. lasted the longest. Yeah, so we're five or six years now. Um, and... We started with the starter set, which the Lost Minds of Fandelver, Del Fandolin, Fandelver, but it's set in Fandolin. That always <laughs> confuses me. Um, and basically, getting to the end of like that storyline, I decided that I wanted to take, like, create my own storyline moving forwards. So I just like tied in a few little things to like uh, make it make sense, essentially, and then sent them off on their own journey uh, afterwards. And that's been going on ever since. I'm, just, um, I'm and... looking up all of the, like, every every story arc, he sends out a new trailer. And so I'm trying to work out. So there's one, two, three, four, six. I think there's been six story arcs. So, yeah. So it's ongoing. Yeah, still ongoing. Wow. Um, so the general overarching story is that um, uh, the first thing they were asked to do was transport this young drow girl to the mountains across the the way uh she was being hunted by some paladins of tear so you know you'd expect them to be the good guys but like they're chasing this poor innocent girl except of course that it turns out that she's going to be the manifestation of lolf oh <laughs> sorry lolf lolf is who lolf as in spider queen yeah lolf is the demon spider queen yeah. mm-hmm. uh, okay she big bad yeah. she the big, big bad. bad and and I knew that, but I knew that obviously all of my players were not uh, like hot up on the D and D lingo. So I was like, I'm just, I'm just gonna. And even they asked at one point, and she was like, Oh yeah, I believe in Lolf and blah blah blah. And they're like, Okay, cool, you like spiders, great. <laughs> um, so they delivered this poor girl. Uh, she then they did half de- like try to stop the ritual, but she still became uh, Lolf. And then basically, and we'd also we spent... given one of the like items that they needed to free Lolf. Oh, on yeah. top of transporting the girl. Oh my god, it's it was a fucking nightmare. Oh, so you brought about Armageddon then, basically? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh nice. So then, um, so then the uh, the the storyline afterwards for like three or four years was them trying to stop Lolf's plan. And Lolf in this version um, basically believes herself to be a better goddess of life and death than. The Raven Queen, because again, in my little homebrewed version, uh, the Raven Queen controls the cycle of strings. If anyone's read The Wheel of Time, it's basically that. Um, it's like a weave of uh, a tapestry of of, of life and death. And um, I have one in my game, funnily enough. There you go. So Lolth being a spider is like, I should be in charge of all of the threads because I do that. Um, and yeah, so they spent four years stopping Lolth and they got there. Um, but the trouble is, is that again, the whole time they sort of ignored a few other issues that were going oh God, on. Who've they released now? 
no, it's, it's not, not so, so much, much who we've released, released. It's who we've yeah they um trapped <laughs> yeah because of uh because of their focus on stopping Lolth, um a few of Lolth's generals had betrayed her and they then <laughs> trapped the gods in a couple of items all of so the, the gods si- all of the gods <laughs> so they're currently in a situation where the world is breaking down because none of the gods are powering it like there's no um, light the, in the world the sun anymore. has gone out the like nothing's growing uh, people aren't dying properly, that kind of thing. God, this is such a lore dump right now. I'm so oh, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> you can um, definitely see why this campaign has been going on so long, yeah. and you're probably going to yeah. need double that length of time to, yeah, to, to like, yeah. fix these yeah, exactly. problems. How do you bring yeah. back gods? <laughs> How do you bring... Well, you've just... Uh, yeah, you've if got to make some knows, deals with I devils. I would really like to know, and... Uh, <laughs> just push the god button. The god just button. the god button. God button. Yeah, yeah, it's my, on that track. My character um, has minus two intelligence in this particular game, even at level amazing. 17. Um... So I take no responsibility. I, my brain turns to mush when I play her. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they've got to level 17. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you clap, a god comes back to life. Yeah. <laughs> clap, clap, children, clap. Uh, yeah, but what I find, well, sort of taking everything that I've done in that other homebrewed campaign, um, it's all set in the same world that uh, the podcast is set in. So a lot of that lore stuff is like woven in in the background it's not going to be like in the forefront at any point i don't think but i'm i haven't quite really decided whether or not all of this has happened in the past somewhere or whether or not it's going to happen or it's currently happening somewhere else in the world i think i've just discovered what the flower checks are all about (laughs) (laughs) i'm on to it sam i don't know no one knows (laughs) no one knows what the flower check does juna know what the flower check is juna knows what the flower check is oh good well don't don't spoil it for our listeners but i'm i'm super intrigued i've I've definitely called it something else along the way before we settled on flower check i made the same check and called it something else but i can't remember what it was and i've realized as well because the first time it came up we hadn't like necessarily discussed it so then every time it has come up i've asked vicky to roll something completely different <laughs> i'm like ah, oh, perception check charisma check i don't know check i, I <laughs> accept that i accept oh, that God, yeah. yeah now this is definitely a rabbit hole but um <laughs> yes chris uh same same question for you because obviously that was the campaign that we joined together was is like the original one that we got involved with um but eventually it did kind of you know um our dungeon master moved away and there were complications there and we weren't kind of able to keep that game going. Uh, so what's your longest one at this point? Uh, I met a friend of a friend who basically said, oh, I played D&D. And I went, oh, I played D&D once upon a time. And he was like, oh, cool. Well, my brother's doing this like uh, DMing uh, for a session if you want to join. And I was like, yeah, why not? And then all of a sudden I sort of, I was like, oh, yeah, I had a really great time. And then they were like, do you want to come back next week? And I was like, go on, then I'll come back next week. And then that perpetuated to like the next week and then the next week and then the next week. <laughs> and then eventually it became um, such a big part of like my weekly routine. Like Friday night is D&D night. That's what I'm building up to. And I'm getting over there, getting a the pizza, getting some beers. And it's great. To the point when I was just like, well, I have to, I have to get Sam involved because <laughs> I, I keep, I keep ranting onto him about it. And you, yeah, because he I, loves D and D, he loves Friday nights, and he loves pizza. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's the trifecta. The trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag trifecta. Um, yeah, and so that's when I actually got you as, involved as well. So it's it's uh, our good friend Luke Peaks um, uh, game, and that was running probably. That campaign ended, sadly, um, 
not well, it's on a, a, it's on a hiatus, it's on a hiatus, it? it's on yeah. hiatus but I guess that was about say about three years three years I'd say and that was a long one that was a long one when you know it, I was I wasn't expecting it to go on that long I've had other campaigns you know that lasted like three weeks and they've been brilliant and I've had campaigns that lasted three months and they're brilliant but you know it that one was like David says like you you get so invested in the tapestry of the of the world itself but it's really the characters that you you go along with like you know Juna is a perfect example of a character who like I just want to know more and more and more about and every time mm. she comes out with like something that surprises me, she intrigues me even more. She comes across as a really cute, cuddly, like, oh, I'd have a twain tie tea with her. But then she suddenly just goes like, it's all right to break into people's houses just to check they're all right. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> well, I'm just going to detect their thoughts. Uh, so, yeah, like, mm, should I, should I? I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. <laughs> what was that? So your, your three year campaign that you did, like, was that? uh like module based or was that homebrewed again that was that was homebrewed yeah that was yeah. totally homebrewed and that was the first time so i ever played that, yeah yeah bits that he pulled from uh some of the books you know some of the you know direct segments from from parts of the books but it woven into this like you know he created the land and he oh, i remember when he brought out this map for us uh we've been playing for maybe a couple of years by this point um and the character that I was playing had this weird magical moment where they basically went into a magical coma, um, into like a chrysalis form before they become super powerful sorcerer, right? Um, so I started playing this, this other character who just happened to be like, you know, map maker. Uh, and he revealed it on this session and just brought out this, this hexagonal map. And it was huge. Like we, we'd basically explored this tiny, tiny portion of it. And it, there was probably like, you know 100 200 times that amount of map left yeah imagine um, imagine the days of like tolkien and like c.s lewis when they're just like oh yeah so like i've got this thing and you're showing like a little sketch of it and all of a sudden he like pulls out the whole map and you're like not just looking at the shire but the whole friggin pate like map yeah and we were like yeah. damn son there is some thought being put into this but we, I think we spent the majority of that session just looking around and like looking at place names and being like, I've heard that reference like a yeah. year ago and like <laughs> this place, I want to go there and I want to go there. It's like, oh yeah, if you want to travel there, that's about four months on foot. It's like, nah, yeah, let's, yeah, uh, <laughs> let's stay here in the empire. Easy victories, easy victories first. Yeah. And is that your but, longest um, campaign, Sam? So yeah, I'd say that probably is my longest one at this point. Um, I I started a game of my own DMing at the beginning of lockdown, and I'm hoping that that you know is something that I'm able to keep playing because uh, they're all first time players, uh, and as far as I can tell, they're loving it, really enjoying the idea of being a DM. Okay, um, right, next question then, uh, and this is from Hannah T Therapist uh, via Instagram, uh, and it's: Are you very similar or very unlike your character? So which elements are most like you or not? And what was your process in making them? This is really for the players. So, uh, Vicky, do you want to take this one? Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, the, my, so Juna, the name Juna is, is an amalgam of the names Yuna and Joan, who are my nan, um, who is no longer with us, and my grandma, who is very much alive and kicking up in Norwich. Um, <laughs> so, so Juna is kind of, I mean, my my grandma's not a gnome, and and she's not an epilogue <laughs> lady, but she's she's a real like kick ass woman in her eighties. Um, and we lost my nan last year, which was pretty horrendous. And she was like, 
if you were to draw a caricature of a nan, you'd draw her. So they're like really different, awesome older women. And so Juna was inspired by them um, and the idea that you can have an older lady who's not... Yeah, not just giving out a cup of tea. I mean, ironically, Juna gives out more and more tea. <laughs> That's the <laughs> But she um, does that and then some. And then, yeah. But the idea, yeah, like that an older woman can be a hero and can be unexpected and, you know, isn't, you know, just sitting around kind of thing. So that's well, no, definitely not. Yeah, that's... she's the first one to go places. Yeah. No, the first episode is, just, I'm just going to walk. Cool. <laughs> and yeah, so there's a lot of my nan and my grandma in Juna. Um, who were two, I mean, you know, I am very close to my grandma. I was very close to my nan. Um, so I think inherently there is a lot of me in Juna because the two people she's based on are very closely linked with me. That's where Juna comes from. And that's, that's yeah, although I'm not in Juna, I kind of am via them, if that makes sense. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. That's really sweet. I, <laughs> I normally look at a book and I'm like, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Chris? Is uh, is Gaius a, a bit of you? It's a really interesting one because I kind of came to Guy artificially and then sort of found him really in the session that me and David were discussing him. Because at first I was I was I was I was trying to do the selfless thing where I was saying, "Okay, guys, like you sort out who you want to be in this party, and I will fill in that gap with something that will be, you know, the missing piece or whatever." So I'm happy to be whatever. And I'd never. <clears throat> I, I thought I was going to be a cleric for a really long time because I was like, oh, I want to be a healer. I want to be someone who's going to be like, you know, helping um, and keep everyone up and uh, up and about. And Guy is, a Guy is there for healing as well. But then we settled on, then I settled on Bard because Bard terrified me in that they are such a non, um, such a non-linear path like that i'm like i've always played like the paladin who's the guy at the front who's going to be taking the big hits or i'm the wizard who thinks of like the clever side um solutions and then comes out with an awesome spell but bards are really weird because they have to talk and i'm <laughs> i'm a real i'm a, when i come to playing D D or like even just like in work and stuff i like actions i like doing things um so so being able to like talk my way um, in and out of situations like you know I'm, I'm, I'm an actor and it, it's I'm a teacher and it's like you know it's it's part of my trade but I've never really sort of like um, done that in D&D as much um, I've usually left it for someone else to like do a lot of the talking and stuff like that and the schmoozing and things um, so that's when I sort of like leaned into like the bard and I was like go on let's try this so it's it's it is it is me in the way that I like you know I, I'm, I love puns and I love joking and chatting away and stuff but I think for <laughs> me it was it was, um, oh, it's a hard one to say, really. I'm still finding Guy. Even now, I'm still finding out who Guy is. And even though I know his backstory, I know his motivations, I know what he wants to reveal and what to keep secret. I know his fears and so on. I'm still working out, working him out. And I think it's, for me, what surprises me the most is when we're recording and then a thought hits me, like, Guy would do this. And then afterwards, I'm like, wow, where did that come from? And I also just love doing the really bad New York accent. So, <laughs> you know, at times it's brilliant, though. Oh, my God. Uh, just sometimes I'm like, eh, hey, that guy's from New York. I, I really enjoyed Rowana picking up on Guy's accent the longer oh, they spent man, together. The hardest <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, I'm just going to do a nice, like, general you are American, not welcome whatever that here. is. And then by the end, I'm like, hey, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's like, oh, who's this gal? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry, by the way, for all of our um, American listeners. I know we have a few. 
Um, so I apologize for your for offending your native tongue. Um, and if you have any top tips, please tweet them, Instagram them. I'd love to hear. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Um, okay, I, I mean, I'm I'm loving the the New York accent, and I'm loving all the characters that that people are bringing them out. So you know whether whether they are like linked to you or not, they all read like real people they you know no decision is easy and especially between gwen and enkidu and that weird kind of like tension that they have where that came from (laughs) but the way that they don't just go with the easy like oh let's just get on and and move on with this they constantly find a way to fight they can't they can't help themselves They they? they can't stop it but this 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 happens when you've, you've both got like a core character that you understand like what they would do in that moment. And if it's not what the other person would do, it's going to cause friction. And I love that. Yeah, I can't it's, pin uh... those two. That's the funny thing is like they, they've surprised me. They're the ones who keep surprising me the most in that like, like, yeah, there's that you could like say there's an, a romantic underlining with that with like, it's like, you know, your classic, you know, um, Benedict and uh, Beatrice yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. But at the yeah, same yeah. time, they also... Re- they the reason why I think they spar so much, and we've talked about this at length, where it's like they are so much like each other as well, because they both won't back down and they both feel like they have something to prove. <laughs> and I think, like you said, that's just real of most people, like, especially when, like, come together yeah. in, like, extraordinary circumstances. Like, no one wants to, everyone's got that imposter syndrome. No one wants to be seen as, like, not knowing what they're doing. So I think for those two, especially when they feel like they have something to prove, it clashes. And they and they both are the type of people that, like, can't help themselves, but just, like, follow their gut. Like, they just can't, <laughs> can't help it. <laughs> yeah, whereas, whereas, like, Guy and Juno Noren, we're constantly, like, looking to each other for reaffirming, like, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right thing? Whereas, okay? And Kiru will do something, and Gwendolyn will be like, okay, all right, I'm going to say this, or I'm going to do that. And we're like, <laughs> Does one of you want to make a decision, please? <laughs> <laughs> It is it is fun those those very few moments though that the two of them do agree with each other. Mm. Those are the moments that you're suddenly like, "Oh, that's how serious this situation is." The two of them are like on the same page completely. Yeah, yeah well, that happened in the last episode that I listened to, and it's just like I actually agree with Enkidu here. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, you know, it's completely within the realms of realism. You know, they're not just going to pick a fight when they're you know the. No. Uh, the given circumstances are that massive, you know, the problem that you're dealing with. Um, okay, cool. Nice, simple question here. Let's go around the table. Uh, so this is from Canna Banana Joe via Instagram. Great I'm pronouncing that right. Canna Banana Joe. Uh, um, what is your favourite class to play? You said that was an easy one, Sam. Well, I, I think it's just... it. Okay, it might not be easy, but it's a fun one and everyone can answer it. So uh, let's start off with David on this one because uh, you have... You have played characters. Uh, obviously, you play every character sometimes, um, yeah. but you've also played, you know, a character class with a race played... and stuff. Yeah, like I, I lean towards spellcasters just because uh, I feel like I because obviously I've DM'd a fair amount. Like I know a lot of the like secrets of Dungeons and Dragons, so I feel like if I'm a spellcaster, then at least I can go. Oh yeah, I've studied it. Like, more for, like, <laughs> the wizard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've got yeah. some excuse to know it. Um, and it helps you oh, look like a wizard as well. I mean, the like, yeah, yeah the messy hair. Great. Like, yeah, face in a book. <laughs> that's... Um, I quite like warlocks. 
think, and make them my favorite. Um, again, mostly because they're you've got the spell casting thing. They're a bit gishy, so you can like run out and hit someone with a weapon. But you've also got some backup spells, and they are so like build your own class. Yeah. Because they get so many choices and so many different like they've got the the pack choices. They've got the eldritch invocations. Like uh, they've got the <coughs> their patron. Like there's so much variety that you can have in any warlock that they just make it, they're really fun to play plus the idea of have being or having to answer to someone else or being yeah, in some that. kind of deal like straight away there's like role play built into the class it's amazing yeah you're bound to somebody else's choices um you know some kind of other entity that's not quite a god uh which i kind of love because they're not you know they're not infallible there's there's problems with these and they might turn up in the campaign yeah i'd agree with you there i do quite like warlocks uh how about you vicky what's your favorite class to play my knowledge of D is very very blinkered so i've played odds and sods but really my heart belongs to the barbarian which is the character i've been playing a dragonborn barbarian for so long and actually, I've been kind of scared of spells for a really long time. So I've always shied away from it, which is why when I was creating Juna, I was like, I need to finally like do spells. But <laughs> Bob, I, I love playing a high level barbarian and just like having carte blanche to just go in armed to the teeth and just like raging, frenzying, relentless rage just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah yeah just attack 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 yeah i'll get my um what am i rocking at the moment great axe out and uh oh yeah i really enjoy that ah, <laughs> it's really yeah, my first character my my first choice as well was a barbarian in that campaign i played yeah. with chris and yeah you he had a great axe called great axe because it was a great axe um, <laughs> makes perfect sense to a barbarian right yeah I I think I use D and D very much as therapy as well. So I really enjoy <laughs> playing a character that's very therapeutic. And there's something really good about like having a D and D session. Where you're like, yeah, killed some goblins today, and like <laughs> I didn't really have to make any decisions because everyone else made them for me. And then they just pointed me in the direction and said, "There you go." Yeah. It's, it's... Sometimes you need that, like you know, one man army complete genocide yeah, moment. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. I thought of the answer to your previous question because I was thinking through like, oh, so like how have my previous like classes thought? Um, and I was going to say Paladin. <clears throat> I think Paladin probably for me because it's the one that I played the longest, but like that's like a big tanky guy person who like, you know, can charge in and take a few hits and stuff, but at the same time is able to do like a bit of spell, a bit of spell casting, but like, like healing and so on and forth. I like being of use to a party. So like, you know, oh, you're not feeling very well. I'll help you there. But at the same time, I get to hit something really hard. But then I was thinking about how my characters have thought because, um, so, and, uh, my paladin thought through action. He didn't think a lot. And then I had a wizard who thought a lot, like really cynical, really like a person who thought quite a lot before she did anything. And then I thought about Guy. And I think I know what my connection is with him, which is that, and it's true of me as well. I think through talking, and I think that's Guy, mm. is that he's like, listen, guys, here's the thing. I, okay. I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that, I'm pulling this over there, I'm creating all this tapestry and stuff, because yeah. he's, that, now I think, I think for me, that's, that's just the thing. It helps with, I guess, with a podcast, being able to, like, talk about your thought process, so I think that's why, yeah, guys starting to become more of what he is, because I'm becoming more confident with being able to, like, express my, um, my internal process. 
But also, also Guy just Guy solved a massive problem for the group, which I won't mention because it's a massive spoiler. But at the end of uh, episode twelve, uh, eleven or twelve might have come out by this point. Yeah. No, but if people if people haven't like listened to them all and picked this up as yeah, I mean, let's just say spoilers. Uh, <laughs> table, yes, <laughs> yeah, <gasps> the table, yeah. I mean. I really, really enjoyed that. But I, I'm going to be honest, there were points in that episode where I was like screaming at my <laughs> headphones, like, how have you not come oh, on? Oh my God. It's right there. Like literally, we were all saying like, the listeners will have got that straight away. They've just been listening to us like yeah. talking for half an hour. He's been like, I'm not really sure what to do next. And then David was just like, look back at the clues I gave you. <laughs> maybe, maybe just read those notes one more time, guys. Just one more. Just give it a read. Is it this? Is it that? Oh, God. Yeah, I, I had a real screaming fit about that. <laughs> I think that's the common trope in D&D where, like, players, like, look too deep into one thing when really, like, they should just take a step back and go, like, okay, guys, what's the priority? What's going to lead the narrative along? Let's look at the clues we've got. What's this? What's this? Okay, we know this. Put it all together rather than, like, going down. It's really tough with D&D sometimes to go down a rabbit hole. Um, What, like, David, like, from your point of view i guess like where's that fine balance of like you want the players to make their own choices but at the same time you want to offer them enough of a scaffold for them to mm. to to find the clues that they need to solve the problem you don't want to feed it to them but at the same time you want them to have agency of their own this question comes from chris watts via zoom <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> um it's no you're right it's, it is a really tricky balancing act is that like you don't want to railroad your players to the point that like you're basically just telling them the answer and they're not thinking about it at all themselves. Uh, but at the same time, when you have an answer that you want them to get to, <laughs> sometimes you've got to like nudge them a little bit more and a little bit more and a little just bit more. Just a little prod. Yeah. Just a like little prods. I personally love it when, when players like go into those rabbit holes though, mostly because they come out with a lot better ideas than I have by myself. So I just sit there taking notes. That's like the you're in tomorrow. That was a wonderful rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, that was brilliant. That I was, I was like, I have no idea how you're deciding this, but okay. <laughs> like, if that's what you think is happening. So I, I edited that episode and I could not stop laughing for like <laughs> half an hour because I was just listening to the same 10 minutes I remember doing it for the recap as well. I quite happily listened to that bit over and over and over again. It felt so real. It felt so real. Oh, I, I genuinely, I, I was believing you as well. I was completely on board with you. And I was just like, Everyone was. Wow, what's going to happen now? Because you were so believable. You were so in it. You were so deep in that rabbit hole. You, you took us there with you. And then David was just there, just being like, what? <laughs> what? And like, obviously, like, if you go back and listen to that, knowing that it, they, they haven't gone in time, you just, you hear my reactions. They're like, what does it look like outside? Is it the same time of day? I'm like, yes, it is the same time of day. <laughs> And the tray of food the is still there. still there. It's exactly where you've left it. Oh, maybe they've just... Uh, okay, next thing. I like, think one okay. of us is like, did the tray come with us? Did the tray come with you? And you don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, th this does link into a, a question that, that one of our audience members has uh, sent in. Uh, so this is uh, Pippa Beckford, uh, who said this via Facebook. And this is a question for you, David. 
Um, so how far in advance had you mapped your story arc before you started the campaign? Um, and has anything happened which has thrown a massive curveball, curveball into your plans so far? So um, I was actually talking to Vicky about this the other day. I had planned out the town. I had planned out um, the Vondels and Kral and like the, the general overarching um, storyline. I had not planned an ending until episode 11. As in an ending to the arc? The story. Yeah, an ending to this, the ending to, to the whole Kral Vondel problem. I had not planned out a story, uh, the ending to that. I didn't know how they were going to stop Kral. And then the conversation came up about liches. And I was like, oh yeah, he's a lich. <laughs> like, that's it. Like I hadn't, I hadn't even clocked that until episode eleven, and they were talking with Rowana, and uh, and in that moment, in that conversation with Orin, I made the connection. Again, spoilers for anyone who's not listened to episodes twelve and thirteen. I made the connection that his phylactery was the table because that made the most sense. It brought the entire like story round circular wise. You didn't you clock that then? You did that yeah. then? That's mad. Oh my isn't god, it? that is mad because it makes so much like yeah. narrative sense. That's the thing. I was like, and I obviously knew that the tower was there, like his underground tower. So I was like, there's going to be some information in there about uh, about him. To be honest, I'd planned out. A few of the other information that they've, uh, like, bits of information that they found there that linked in with, like, the larger story that they'll be going on to. That stuff, I had, I had planned out, but I hadn't planned out how to get rid of Kral. So, yeah, that's, that's a little tidbit for everyone. That's how far in advance. <laughs> Not a lot. Sometimes. Sometimes quite, like, the, the main storylines for the whole, the whole series, I've got, like, rough drafts of them. Yeah, there are certain things that are gonna be tied in already that I have, I'm dropping hints for now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah this particular storyline, uh, not far enough. <laughs> it wasn't really like a curveball that was thrown by the players. It was actually a solution. It was a solution to the problem. Yeah. Um, and that is, that is, Again, DM tip for anyone out there. You don't have to have all the answers all the time. Let your players come up with them and then go, that's a good one. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to the players of my campaign. I might have done the exact same thing. But as, as a player that's played exclusively with David as a DM, like what makes you such a brilliant DM is that you do, you take things from the characters and bring it back round. And as a player, like it's kind of magic because you're like, Oh my god, I said this one thing like two years ago and now, and now like, it's a thing. that sister yeah. that I mentioned is standing in front of me and like it it yeah. It like as a player, like it's so exciting. Don't say that, Vicky. Now I'm terrified of every single detail of my backstory. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> like, that spoon I picked up at that breakfast <laughs> on that one day has suddenly become the fedactory of the ancient dragon. <laughs> it's it's it is it is the the creation of the world that one particular spoon and you didn't realize it at the time oh my god <laughs> this is very very close to a question that we've uh we've actually got from sophia comic art who sent this in via instagram and we love sophia, we love with sophia. The, <laughs> the, the images that she's done oh, so far incredible fantastic. Uh, but again it is for david and it's along this line have you had to come up with any characters on the fly during your sessions or are they all characters you've designed for the quest already uh in that vein how hard or easy is it to keep the quest on the right track with the group making their own decisions 
Um, oh, that's quite interesting. So I think this um, kind of goes with the last one, or if you're yeah, getting things from yeah. people's backstories, you know, um, do you just drop them in? I came up with all of the townsfolk, um, and there are actually more townsfolk that they have never interacted with, <laughs> so I clearly overplanned. Um, and there are, like, literally entire side quests that have not happened, but I was like, that might be a solution to, like, introducing them to the story. Um the <laughs> the the things that keep coming up that I keep having to make up on the spot are all of the tiny animals that Juna talks to. <laughs> Endless tiny animals. And I'm like <laughs> particular What is yeah. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> what do these squirrels sound like? What does this sparrow sound like? I don't know. Are there any animals around? Probably, yeah. Oh god, I've got to try and think of animal voices. Oh god, um, you've got to have like a, uh, uh, you've got to have like a glossary now of animal voices because you know wherever we're going to, Juno's gonna be like, Juno's gonna talk to animals. Yeah, like it's just gonna happen. Um, yeah, like as for like uh, like players making decisions, I've in other campaigns I've like planned each session so that if the next session doesn't happen, at least everyone feels like they've they've played a complete little story by itself. It's almost like a series of one shots, right? Um, whereas in this one, because we know that it's going to hopefully run as long as it runs, um, I've tried leaving everything as sandboxy as possible. Obviously, dropping in bits of information for a story and occasionally having entire characters walk up with information, like uh, episode three, I think everyone's like exploring the town and Trimped, having just been mentioned, walks up on his horse and is like, hello. <laughs> that was obviously me being like, here's some plot for you. Take the bait. Whereas, yeah, there are other times, like their decisions to go into the woods and things, I've just got to like throw down any tracks ahead of them so that I can give them some information that pertains to the overarching story, but they're still the ones in control of where they're going, if that makes sense. I think there's I think there is a great skill in the deception of a DM um in that like like you say like you could have like laid down those tracks years ago you knew that train was going to be coming you knew um it was going to take years to get there or it could literally be that we are around the bend you can hear our whistle and you you are still laying down that track really quickly but as soon as we turn that corner it looks like that track's been there for ages and it's just that's a a, a skill that you've done really well to perfect david but also i think that like a lot of like new dms are excited to like to learn um, and I've DM'd a, f- a few times as well, but also it's like it's like you say, like over preparing is 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 just as much of a crutch as it is like a as is as it is a help. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't want to be so stuck in reading your notes that you're not engaging with what your players are doing. But at the same time, like when you've got an idea for a story, like you re- and you're really excited about them experiencing that story, you you don't want them to miss out on anything. And you're really excited about killing those particular characters off. They're going to die whether they like it or not, however hard they try, right? Exactly, right. (laughs) Oh my god. If you um, watch the video of us on Zoom, um, which unfortunately isn't made to the public, but like... If you, but I have it on my computer. You've got it on your computer. Oh, oh my gosh, we've got to release that okay, one point. I want to watch yeah. that. Because we all just went, what the fuck? And most of us walked away from our computers and like had to go and like stand in the corner somewhere. And 
hyperventilate. Yeah, it was brilliant. As the listener, I jumped off the sofa. I was so elated and completely bamboozled by that moment. I was so, I was so angry with David as an individual. <laughs> <laughs> Was it you that just screamed out like, no wonder you were so happy about us dying? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but that's the thing is that the entire time I was like, I'm really trying to like, and all five of them, fantastic actors, like not only like role players and, and like players in general, but like they were completely in character. They were feeling the heartbreak of the entire situation. And so to watch it, I was like, this is fantastic, but I know the twist, so I couldn't stop smiling. (laughs) I was like, this is such a raw emotion, and yet I've got to carry on. I think me and Vicky did a really good job role-playing as dead. Yeah. Yeah, you were great. Yeah. Just best no, but I, I, I like was her. really again. fucking hard keeping quiet. I was just was like, <laughs> yeah. No, but again, you watch if like if ever the video gets released or whatever, the two of them are sat there like there is anger, there is sadness, there is like sheer disbelief at the situation, but also again genuinely enjoying seeing the other players mm. cope with it. Yeah, like. And the the two, the two of them, like, they sat there in silence, but there is so much happening on their screens. It's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. I think this leads quite beautifully onto another question uh, from John Ellis. Uh, this is from uh, sent in via Facebook. Uh, how will you each deal with character permadeath if it happens? And uh, he's given us a hashtag here, which is there's no coming back. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, conjoined to that as well, there's uh, if a chance presented itself for your ch- character to save the life of another at the cost of your own, who would you let die? Hashtag another question about death. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, you kind of led us into the death area. Um, yeah, what would you... I mean... I, d- I don't want to know if it's happened already, but how would you deal with it if it did? Um, well, listen to episode... No, I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> no, um, for me, it's for me, it's funny, really, because oh, it's so tough because you get invested with a character and you don't want them to die. But equally, there's the excitement of, of building a new character, of, 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 think- of telling a new story and, and finding that discovery. So for me, it's like it's it's a mixture of like... Um, of 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 a, of a bit of grief and also a bit of excitement as well mixed in. It's a very weird thing. Again, D and D, weird thing, guys. Weird thing that you somehow are invested with this imaginary creation of yourself. It's kind of like if you drew a really really beautiful picture of like uh, a landscape, and then you just went, okay, I'm just going to rip that in half, but I can always make another one. Uh, who would I sacrifice in order for my character to live? Okay, so I think for me, it's it's a funny one because at the start of the arc, um, Guy is all about self-preservation. He's been on the road for a really long time. Me and David know, uh, talked in depth about like his life on the road and stuff. Mm. Um, he's he's intentionally built like a rogue, but he's a bard. Um, and depending on like his backstory connections and stuff, but um, so self-preservation is always his first and foremost. You know, I think Juna absolutely t- tugs at his heartstrings. And I think actually, especially like Gwen, like, yeah, Gwen was like the first one that we, that he connected with and stuff, but also like. Also, Guy, sorry to interrupt, but Guy and Gwen's 
relationship, as in like their friendship, I think is like wholly underrated. It's so like lovely and beautiful and like just pure friendship. Like bearing in mind they haven't known each other that long. It's yeah, no, that's I completely agree. Like it surprised me that like when Gwen's in danger, that's when like guys and the girls like, oh shit, I need to do something quick. Um, and I think it would be a real, it would be really tough. I think he's no, I think, uh, the short answer is he, before he would have said, um, no, 100%, I'm saving myself. Now he would say, for Juno and Gwen anyway, I don't know, which I think speaks a lot coming from mm-hmm. where he's come from. But he's like, I don't know, because he thinks like, yeah, he's, he's, he's made a good connection with, uh, Gwen. He has a soft spot, spot for Juna and her kind words to him. Um, so yeah, at the moment he's like, I don't know. And I think that's gonna have to come out in the story, maybe. This is really interesting because it kind of ties into what you were saying earlier and that you're still finding these things about Guy. It's almost like Guy's finding out these things about himself. So mm. both Chris and Guy don't know what Guy's about to do. You think you know, but then in that moment, you're like, no, this is what Guy would do. So yeah, you know, maybe we'll have to, well, we won't have to be faced with that circumstance, David. Um, but <laughs> you might. if it comes up, that's when we're going to find out the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm just sat here making notes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give my juice, so, Okay, Sam. so these guys would all save Juna and Guy would maybe save some people. <laughs> exactly, so. yeah. So kill Juna and everybody else dies. Yeah, um, so if I want some real drama in the party, put Orin or Enkidu in danger in front of Gaius and watch Gaius betray them. Like, <laughs> Vicky's got the interesting um, challenge because then she, I don't know, well, obviously the, the parameters of the question mean that she can choose Juna, but would Juna save Juna? I don't know. What would she do? I think it very much depends on the circumstance. Um, I think, Juna, like Juna would know who she would sacrifice herself for and I think there's a lot of people she would but uh, and I think yeah she is that kind of character that I think would be very much like better me than them but and 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 like I would let her because have to I don't have to but I do but I would like <laughs> I would be devastated like I feel like I get these characters in D&D and they like they belong to me and they're like a part of me. And like, yeah. I think like the reason that I just like when episode eight happened, like I was just like viscerally just like angry because like, it, it's like, it's like you're living their life. Like when I talk to my husband about D and D who has never played and just kind of abides me talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, um, like, you're talking about this like it really happened to you and I'm like it it kind of did you know and so I think I like I would I I, I'd find it really tricky to to have to roll a new character I would because that's what you do but it's tough isn't it because as as much as you're invested in your character you you better believe that the other guys are invested in their characters as well so you have that decision that weighs in you know that or that that weighs into the decision that you're about to make. Yeah. So, I, yeah, my my answer is I think Juna would be very quick to sacrifice herself, but Vicky would be really, really, like, upset about it. 
That makes me sound like a multiple personality person. <laughs> we all are. I'm really curious as well, because for me, Juna is the one where I'm most curious about what her goals are. Like, what does she want to achieve? So for like Guy and for Orin in some ways, like Orin has all this like mechanics and stuff. So I'm kind of like, okay, I can, I can suss out maybe what his things are that he wants to achieve. And Kidu's a bit like a different kettle of fish. Where I'm still trying to work out like, is it vengeance he wants to go down or is it self-redemption and so on? Gwendolyn like wants to find herself. Uh, Guy, you know, wants to get rich and wants to have a good time, maybe. But for me, with June, I think maybe it's what you say as well. Like maybe it's the unconscious bias, um, where it's like, oh, okay, well, like the assumption is like, oh, like, like you know, if you're elderly, it means you've achieved all your things in your life. But that's clearly not the case with Juna. I'm giving so, nothing away. Oh, come on. <laughs> I love that, Chris. You were like, and I'm going to talk around and see if I can just get a little bit. Of- no. Uh- <laughs> we, we had this, we had this conversation in game the other night, which doesn't spoil anything where, um, I said something along the lines of like, June is really good at keeping a secret. And, and Ben was like, no, she's not. And I was like, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> oh. oh, no. You can't do that to Ben. <laughs> yeah. As like a, a slight tangent to the death question, which of the, the main characters do you think would affect the group the most if they died? Ooh. I mean, I, I would say based on, because obviously I've heard the answers from the other guys, uh, I'd say the one that would affect people the most would be if Juna died. Because mm. she's kind of become the glue of this group um, in that she's she's close with everyone. There's no friction or anything. There's, you know, she's just, she is Juna with every yeah. single person that she uh, speaks to. I, I think Gwen would probably be quite a hard hit as well. And I think I'd say all of them to some extent. Yeah. Well, definitely, everyone's got their like their place in the group, so it would suddenly feel like something was missing. Yeah. Well, it's just because people seem to. I, I don't know that Orin would would love it this way, but people seem to like you know care for Orin and take care of Orin, you know, because he's got all his tools and everything. But he comes across as like young, not quite found himself yet. Uh, so I think people kind of you know they have a a lot of love for for Orin. So I think, you know, if he went, could be a problem. But yeah, I've, I've got to say, I think it would be, if Juna died, that would that would hit the group the hardest of all. If only there was an episode where we could test that theory. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, though, again, if Gaius went, yeah. like, there'd be a huge portion of like the happiness in the group. Yeah, no. I agree. I think Gaius yeah. gone would be... With with episode eight, for example, that it was uh, for for Daryl uh, definitely for Enkidu, it was Guy. Like you know, he he said um, <laughs> spoilers if you haven't listened to the last no small questions, but why you'd be listening to this one without listening to the first one? <laughs> no idea. And his one was uh, you know he'd save Juna, uh, and then he kind of at the end of it was like, oh Guy, because uh, it was definitely when they were walking off in the woods, it was like you know I'm I'm looking for a nice spot to to bury Guy. You know, it wasn't. About Juna, he wanted somewhere yeah. beautiful to, unless he wanted to go on and, you know, bring Juna back to life or something. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was like, I'll bury Guy. But... <laughs> of all the people in the party, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Nkudu, like, just suddenly was just like, yeah, oh, by the way, I also do necromancy and she's all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think, I think Guy drives the group. Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. He's definitely, he's the bathos. 100%. You know, he, mm. when they're in a dark moment, you can count on Gaius to say something that will at least bring a smile to people's faces. Uh, and, you know, he'll play a chord, which then David turns into a, you know, beautiful 
piece of music. Um, I, I have to. It's in the recording by that point. So. <laughs> I, I've started playing this game now. I originally started with like using the ukulele, and then like he, David, plays such beautiful music. I feel like it's like a horrible thing to clash if I keep playing the ukulele. Now, no, but now what I've realised I can do is I can force David to do things. <laughs> <laughs> That little bit of power over the DM. <laughs> there was one episode, it blew my mind. Uh, it was where, I, I think I messaged you about this, David, didn't I? Just to say, like, that Gaius's was... Gaius's performance. Yeah, because, yeah, that was it. Audition. Chris played, like, a few chords at different moments throughout this rendition that he was doing. And you put it into, like, a flowing, beautiful piece of music. I've no idea how you did it, but, like... The entire the structure of the song changed with that chord and ah oh. the um it was the uh the when you auditioned for the Vondells, um like so there were three different pieces of music that like three different songs you performed for them but uh, in a couple of them you played chords as you were describing what the song was oh god because you said like oh and then I changed to this like uplifting bit of the song and you oh. played another chord. But listen to it. Ba- listen to it back because what David's done in there is unbelievable. I, I have to now. It's yeah. It's funny. Like with those moments, I as a as a DM, I love it. Absolutely love it when guy comes out. The music director composer in the back of my <laughs> head goes, "Oh God, what are you going to do with this one?" Uh, but like the like in the moment, it's fantastic. But then actually, the challenge of of like integrating it is so much fun because what and again i don't know whether or not that it's like on like well it is just by accident i always seem to be in the right key for it like i'll start writing a piece of music and then realize oh wait he's played a chord and it fits so the amount of times actually that it's it's not an issue it's just finding the right little progression that gets to that point and like it like builds it in it's fantastic it's such a fun challenge but i mean you're definitely going to prefer what Chris is doing now to what I suggested uh, in that Gaius plays a kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember earlier on, I can't remember what it was, but I was like, oh, maybe Guy can play this, this, this sort of so, um, instrument instead, which was like a flute or something like that. And you were like, no, absolutely not. I'm, I, I've got it fixed in my head. The lute has to stay. And I was like, okay, the lute's staying. All right. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay, uh, let's let's have another question. Ooh, this is interesting, actually. Um, um, anyway, the question is uh, from Drumbo Baggins uh, via Instagram. They're great names, guys. They're great names yeah, all over the place, it. aren't they? Love it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Drumbo Baggins. Great. Uh, do you play? Do you just play D and D, or have you dipped your toe in the Pathfinder pool of uh, of pop? If you have. What do you find the pros and cons of each system and why? And if you haven't, this will be a quick and easy question to answer. So this is uh, like, you know, Pathfinder. There's things like Dungeon Worlds uh, powered by the apocalypse and, uh, you know, games like this, which Chris and I have kind of played. It was basically like D&D, but like with less rules. And it was more down to like, there was, there was, it was a lot more of a basic situation where, and the thing is, I, it's, it's tough. I think for me, when it comes to like Pathfinder, I can't comment because I've never played but I enjoy the way that D&D and the Wizards of the Coast and all those guys have set up the rules. Because it can be so homebrew, but you've also got those as a base. And it does, in my opinion, I've never played the other editions of D&D. So for some of you new listeners, like D&D has gone through various editions. And this is the fifth edition. And it's the most like roleplay based ones. And so for me at the moment, I'm just like, this system's perfect, fantastic. 
Um, but I know that the previous editions all favoured different sort of mechanics. And, but I look forward to playing it. And Drumbo Baggins, if you're ever playing the game, give me a shout and I will definitely join in. I like with 5th edition that um, maths is a definitely uh, a thing that you always improve upon as you go through the evening. You're like, oh, my number bonds are coming in really helpful right now um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. with, with your bonds. dice adding and so on. So as a, yeah, as, as a, as a primary school teacher, I'm like, ah, oh, I know my way around this place quite well. And it's fun when you don't and it's thrown off. But um, what about you guys? Have you guys ever played like Pathfinder or any? I've actually never, I've, I, again, early on in my own reading, I've read a little bit of 3.5 D&D and a little bit of four. I am the system that I really, really want to play. Is it? I don't. Is it a system? I really want to play Dread. Oh um, wow! Yeah, and Dread is like um, it's like horror themed RPG. Uh, and to my understanding of this, at least, it's there's no dice rolls. You have a Jenga tower, and every time your character wants to do something, you pull a block from the Jenga tower. So as the story progresses and the horror gets worse and worse, the tension is also being racked up because if the Jenga tower falls over, your character dies. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And like you can like sacrifice your own character by just pushing the Jenga tower over if you wanted to. But like just the idea of that mechanic yeah. that it's not just like numbers. It's like there is some physical tension yeah. in there. So you can be the best player, uh, come up with the best strategies in the world, but if you've got shaky hands, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Your character can be going along, yeah, coming out with all the answers, saving the day, but at the end of the day, you're playing a horror story, like a, like a classic horror film, and even the best characters could die at any point. That's so cool. That, that is cool. really cool. We have to play That's that sometimes. So cool. Maybe like as, as, a, as a No Small Role special, we could do No Small... What, it's hard, like... hard to play over Zoom, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's quite hard to play over Zoom. I suppose unless we each had our own Jenga tower. But um, that's um, so that's a, a system at least that I'm interested in playing. Um, I've, I also really want to play a Call of Cthulhu game at some point. Me too. So bad. I, I did actually. Um, I know the question wasn't for me, but uh, I, I have played a game called Traveller. Uh, which is basically um, like space exploration. It, it links into things like, you know, Firefly, um, you know, these kind of like cults, almost Western style um, mm. space exploration. Dune um, is a big influence on, uh, probably is an influence on this, although I'm pretty sure there's also a Dune separate dungeon world. It was genius. It was a really clever format. We still talk about, you know, how we want to bring this back. And uh, my guy was a pilot, but it's it's within the same, you know, dungeon world mechanics and that you've got 2d6, but you've got uh, specializations. So uh, when you start your character, it's all about rolling dice and you roll dice until the point that you're like, I could fail here. So you basically live out your life. Um building your character sheet by rolling 2d6 and then you roll another 2d6 oh. and it tells you something different about your life uh, so you can get to the point where you're like you have one arm or you're maimed or you've been unemployed for 20 years and you're like okay well this is the point that i'm going to start the game then or, or you can die and so you have to start the whole character creation process again but once you've got your character you bring it into the game and it's uh it's kind of like that do i risk one more like four years of employment uh, or do I just jump straight into the story with what I've got? And uh, yeah, it's quite a clever mechanic. Is that like, oh, like quite fun? Is that like that Rick and Morty episode where like they put on a video game like headset and then suddenly they live another person's life and they live from like their birth to their death? Yeah, like the Royals. Yeah, interesting. Oh, oh god, I remember that. Oh, there's a Rick and Morty D and D now as well, isn't there? Yeah, I've heard. 
Yeah, that's cool. I've got to try that one out. What about you, that's uh, a, Vicky? On the Christmas list. What about you, Vicky? Oh yeah, I I would. I struggle enough with the rules of D and D. Like, <laughs> like I, I lived, I lived in Spain and learnt really good Spanish, and then immediately after, I lived in Italy and tried to learn Italian and forgot half my Spanish. And I would be really nervous that, like, if I was picking up other rules, I'd get like really bamboozled. Um, what that you just push D and D out? Yeah, like there's like there's like a finite amount of space in my head for each given activity that I do for one role playing game yeah. at a time. No, so. I, I would, but I haven't. Um, it all sounds really cool. I like the Jenga one. Isn't there any parallels with learning a new language and then role playing games as well? Because in some ways you are. I guess in your time, like in Spain or Italy, were you role playing in a certain way? Uh, I was trying to act more Spanish. Explain. Juna. Juna. Yeah, no, I, I would. But um, uh, I, I feel like the dunce of the group <laughs> in no small roles. Not and I, I get I get confused very easily over the rules. Well, that does not come across. And if anything, <laughs> it's useful for the listeners that have never played before to be like, oh, yeah, that, that is the mechanic that they're playing there. When they're like, don't split up the level three party, I was like, I was unaware of this. <laughs> that that's even a bad thing to do. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that's bread and butter. That should be plastered on the front of the player's handbook. <laughs> don't split the party. Do you, do you know what? I bought the player's handbook after we started recording those small roles. <laughs> Um, amazing. I think we have time for one more question, uh, and it is, it's a good one. This is from The Final George. For the final question, it should come from The Final George. The final George. Uh, again, via Instagram. Uh, and the question is... How many Georges have we already faced? <laughs> this is the last one. Uh, <laughs> if you could have access to a cantrip in real life, what would it be and why? Uh, so you can, the, the limitations of this, uh, is that you can only cast it once per hour. Uh, so it's not like you can just spam guidance over and over and be amazing at everything that you do. Uh, so it's, yeah. What would your cantrip be and why? Uh, who wants to take this one first? Chris looks like he's pondering it, but I'm going to jump in with you, mate. What's your, what cantrip would you choose? Maybe message to save on my phone bills. Don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, that's got a limit, right? So yeah, so there's my phone bills, it, mate. Otherwise, they just cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> you can only text uh, up to sixty feet away, or something. yeah, it's like tweeting, but only the person in the next room. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd have to get like, up a list of cantrips and stuff like that. Um, I think. Uh, oh wait, isn't there like Tash's hideous laughter? Is that a cantrip? Uh, I think that's level one. Oh. Uh, so, uh, oh, you could get out your player's handbook here, Vicky. Uh, but we're talking, you know, guidance is obviously in there. Conjure fire, you know, conjure flames, uh, you know, firebolts and stuff. Mage hand light. is a cantrip. Dancing light. Mage hand um, would be useful for mage like. Hand. Yeah. That's quite a good one. That's quite a useful. Yeah, or just, one. just casting light. Uh, friends is in there Actually, as well. So oh, could... Friends is a good one. Yeah. But I mean, they would know after a minute, and you know, it might not work on them. So you just I be feel like, like hey, I did I'm your cast friend. friends over all the no small roles guys. Oh. <laughs> That's what it was. Oh. Um, and one day, a counter spell is performed, and then we're all like, "Get the hell away from me!" <laughs> um, I would, I would, I would uh, magpie what you just said, Sam. I think for me, uh, mage hand is a big thing because I always notice in the classroom my pockets are full 
of pens and whiteboard pens and little post-it notes and things like that. So it would be just nice to have an extra invisible pocket, just like a hand just to hold my stuff. Oh, 100%. And you, 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 we've all had that moment, you know, where you, you sit down on the sofa with a proper like huff, like I'm done for the day. And then you realize that your book or the remote is on the other, other side, side of, of the room. Yeah. Just to be able to be like, come hither. Uh, <laughs> would be pretty amazing. That is a strong answer. Um, other, other ones I've thought of, you know, there's prestidigitation is in there, thaumaturgy, <gasps> so you could just constantly like clean your clothes. Would I prefer prestidigitation or thaumaturgy? And like, prestidigitation has got all of like the cleaning stuff, the, the like fun little effects thing, but at the same time, thaumaturgy, you could just shit people up. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> for some of our um, uh, listeners who don't know what prestidigitation is, because it's the hardest thing to say, and also I don't think any of our characters <laughs> have that, do they? No, no I don't think they do. It. What are the so, parameters of prestidigitation again? You create like a harmless sensory effect, isn't it? So you can do like a shower of sparkles. You can clean uh, something that's dirty. Um, that's you can create one. a smell. Um, yeah, it's like loads of small magical can effects, i choose that basically. one please yeah of course like what would you do one. with it what would be the main reason for you i would you never have to do tidying up or cooking or any <laughs> any of that housework stuff that's horrible i was thinking word of radiance because i like the idea of just saying a word at someone and them just going away i mean i can imagine you cooking a roast and just be like chicken uh, flaming it <laughs> <laughs> but no i'm gonna chicken. take prestidigitation i like that one it's very useful but boring. But Which uh, David does that mean that you take prestidigitation no, as well? I think then, I'm or? gonna. I think I'm gonna lean into the thaumaturgy then. Except, except that ultimately I am a Slytherin, so <laughs> it, it, I wouldn't do it to like purposefully scare people. But in like the the sort of like fun, haha! I just I made you jump a little bit at work. Well, yeah, Ooh, all the candles just, like, have gone out. Like, yeah, open a door or something. You know that. Slam doors open, close The yeah. fact that you've worked at Scream in Madame Two Swords and the London Dungeon, like explains, like it explains everything. <laughs> I've yeah, I've done the old scare acting a fair amount. So <laughs> I mean, I w- there are also those moments, you know, where you see somebody on the other side of the field. Whoa! And they're right there. <laughs> yeah. I heard them from a mile away. Yeah, just getting whispers, or even even again having a very small daughter, just being able to shush her. From a farm, <laughs> in a comforting way. Right, in a comforting, okay. just shh, it's okay. Quiet, child. <laughs> Quiet, baboom. No, just like little whispers coming out. You know, all of the lights suddenly going off in her bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> but instantly cleaned, baby. Instantly cleaned, baby. Perfect with Vicky next year. Yeah. <laughs> Between the three of us, we've got this. Yeah. We've got one parent. If we are, we've got <laughs> one parent. <laughs> Who never has to touch the child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Parenting oh. from afar. Sam, what cantrip would you have? <sighs> this is the thing. Like, you, you'd be like, okay, you could choose an evocation cantrip, sure. But I don't know, it probably would be one of the ones that you were, you were choosing. But another one that I thought could be quite fun would be, like, Control Flame. Or, like, yeah, like something icy. I mean, Word of Radiance would be amazing because you could just be like, you know, walking down Oxford Street and there's too many people. They're not social distancing from you. You're like, you're within five feet. Word of Radiance! I can um, end catcalling <laughs> through Word of Radiance. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I changed my answer, Sam. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, stick with the cockatrice spell. Um, I like it. <laughs> 
Um, I think that about wraps us up. So, um, yeah, there we have it, folks. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the episode. And if any of you, any of you have anything you'd like to know uh, about the show and the characters, please do send your thoughts and queries to any of the social media accounts. So uh, that's at no small roles on both Twitter and Instagram. And that's role spelt R O L L S. So like rolling your dice uh, and at no small roles on Facebook. Uh, thank you so much to Vicky, Chris and David and to everyone who sent in their amazing questions. Uh, seriously, the support of this listener base is incredible. And I know I'm not the only super fan these days. Uh, and if you haven't already liked and subscribed to the podcast, please do click that button and maybe leave us a cheeky rating and review on iTunes so more future super fans can find this gem of a show. It really helps. Uh, thank you so much, Sam. Thanks, mate. Oh, thank, you. thank you guys for having me. Uh, keep bringing me back. And I'm still waiting for my moment of being a guest player. I'm, I'm thinking Yay. it's probably going to be level 17 and I'll take down Lolf or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring you in. Take out the big bad and you'll be done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so thank you so much for listening to No Small Roles. Uh, and there's only one thing left to say if everyone could remember it. Anna! 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.